0: Man, Good morning. Welcome to Grace. If y'all will stand. We're going to start out this uh, service just by reading some scripture together and then we'll sing it out together. So let's sing. So remember, so remember your people, remember your children, remember your promise. You use the need to lead us strong. You lead us in the song of your salvation. And all your people sing along. So remember singing. So remember your people. Your children Remember Your Father And so God Your grace Is done
1: Breath, give us the ability to be here, to have purpose and strength and mission and courage. Father, you say that you've made us special, and special we are in you. But still, there are times where we do not live up to this. We do things that we should not do, we do not do some things that we know we should do. And for that, we are in your debt. And we are sorry. And yet we know that through your Son, Jesus Christ, all things are made new. Relationships that have been hurt and broken can be restored. Father, we know that you seek us, and you ask that we seek you, and you will meet us if we we draw near to you. So now I pray that you be with our time. Help us to know that you are indeed our Holy Father, the greatest Father any of us could have, and that you have left us and sent us here with a purpose and a mission to minister for you. So now be with us the rest of our time. We pray this in Jesus' name.
0: i you to the The rescue us from fall. See? You. See is risen from the dead. We are one with Him again. Come awake, come awake. Come and rise up from the grave. i to be Oh Church Come stand in the light Help us to wake up, Lord, and continue to rise up from the grave, God. pray that you will keep defeating sin and death in our lives. Lord, help us to live as free people, God. Help us to hear your word now, Lord, and we pray that you will change us through it. Lord, help us to know you more. In your name I pray. Amen.
2: Well, good morning again. Everybody, hear me, okay? Yeah. Okay. We had a little problem with our limiter or compressor or lower upper or something. I don't know some kind of part of the sound system this morning, but I think we got it all figured out. Um, if you would open your Bibles up to First Thessalonians, we're going to be in a different place today. Uh, in First Thessalonians, and uh, we've been going through this series this summer called "In God's Family." This sermon today will be kind of a jump back to what we did on Mother's Day. On Mother's Day, we looked at First Thessalonians and Paul's model for ministry and saying that ministry, uh, leading people in God's church, loving people as Christ loves us, should look like mothering, which is a good picture of the gospel. And then he says also, and as he continues in that same paragraph, it should also look like fathering. We're in page 986 in the Black Bibles, if you want to open up there, First Thessalonians chapter 2. I also had a couple of other announcements I wanted to make as well. Um, We want to make sure that we hug and and love on some of our friends, some of our deacons that are leaving. We've got the uh, Connors here. I think they're going to be with us a couple more weeks, but Jerry's marked today as Deacon of the Day, so you can make sure you give him a hug. He's there in the back and has a tag on. Uh, Johnny Russell, I think him and Taylor got a week or two more with us maybe? Something like that. And the uh, Andersons, I know this is their last day. They may be back in the hall. Um, You might get a chance to squeeze them. So anyway... Make sure you tell them that you love them and uh, embarrass them and say goodbye to them as uh, Johnny's trying to embarrass me right now by making faces at me. So make sure you embarrass them. Also want to thank uh, the guys that were a part of Impact this week. Impact was our Backyard Bible Club program. and just wanted to share some of the stats from the week with you. We had six homes that hosted clubs. We had nine of our youth that were trained to uh, reach out to our neighbors and tell the kids about Jesus. uh, play games and lead them in these clubs. We had 85 kids participate in the clubs this last week, and we had three kids that expressed faith in Christ for the first time this week, so we're very excited about that. So you give them a hand. We want to thank them for their ministry as well. Um, we will uh, read now from 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 9 through 13. A lot of us that are dads, uh, when we first found out we were going to be a dad, it was a, a little bit of a shock, because we had no idea what that was going to look like. We had no idea what to do. And so what we're going to give you today, dads, is a model for what it looks like to be a dad, what it looks like to be a father. Um, like I said, we're, t- we're calling this, the same way we did with mothering, we're calling this uh, ministry as fathering. Um, and so we're also giving, at the same time, a model for how to be a dad, we're also giving a model for ministry. How do you serve people? How do you love people as God's church? We are God's church. How are we going to lead others to see Jesus? And Paul says, "We're well, going to do things kind of like a father." So read with me from First Thessalonians chapter two. We'll read verses nine through thirteen. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. We read that verse last time with mothers talking about how uh, it's the work that the mothers and the fathers do on behalf of the children. They they are loving them by grace. They are paying for the ministry and the love that they're giving to others. And then verse 10, he says, You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, You accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Let's pray and ask God to uh, teach us this morning. Father God, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would teach us. Uh, We ask for your spirit to come and be with us this morning, to open our eyes and our hearts, that we would uh, be open-minded, that we would have open ears, and that we would listen to what you have to say to us. pray that you would teach us, that you would... Teach those of us that are dads how to be good dads. And uh, teach all of us how to minister your love and your justice and your mercy to the world around us. How to, to serve, to minister to others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in the book Point Man that we were giving away today, and uh, also I'll mention that those books are for sale in the hallway. If you'd like to grab one of those for 10 bucks in the hallway, it's a great book. Um, not only on being a dad and being a husband, but also just on being a man and leading as as God has called men to lead um, and loving others with God's love. Um, In that book, Point Man, he had an interesting illustration about some tourists that were watching a military ceremony in England. And they were watching this military ceremony that was being put on by the royal artillery of the queen. And there were six men participating in this ceremony. And the men... There were five men in the middle that were doing all of their movements with just perfection and just precision, and every move that they made was swift, and it was clean, and it was perfect. But some of the tourists noticed that there was a sixth man standing about 10 meters away at attention, and this man didn't move the whole time. So after the ceremony was over, the tourists were very impressed with all the movements and everything that they had done and how smooth it was, but they couldn't help but ask, what about that sixth man? What does he do? And the guy in charge said, well, he stands at attention. And I'm like, Okay, well we, well, we saw that, but, but I mean, why? why? Why is he just standing there 10 meters away, standing at attention, just standing there? What, what is he doing? And I said, well, that's his job. He, the sixth man stands at attention. That's what he does. <laughs> but, but you don't get what I'm asking. Why is he there? It doesn't seem like he's doing anything. This sixth man is just standing there at attention while these other five men are participating in the ceremony, participating in the drill, doing these exercises, and so they asked, and not even the sixth man really knew what his job was, other than to just stand there at attention. And so they were getting really confused, they were getting frustrated, finally they found some old British military manuals, they were able to look into the history of this, they looked it up, they found, through some research and some history, that the sixth man's job, historically, was to hold the horses. And now they didn't have horses anymore So the man just stood there at attention with, with nothing to do They kept the man in the drill They kept him in the ceremony But there were no longer any horses to hold And I think this is an example of a superiority Of the American army Because we still have horses here with the calves So that's, That just kind of shows you know, We're just way advanced and that's kind of cool We have real horses I've been to some ceremonies They shoot guns and everything It's really cool um, but, but sometimes dads are like that sixth man Right? We kind of know we've got this job to do, we're, we're part of it, right? We're, we're part, part of this team, but, but we feel like we're just standing over to the side. We're kind of on the peripheral. And men, I think, in our culture, as our culture has decayed, have kind of started to forget what their purpose is. We don't really know what to do, and we're like that sixth man. We're questioned, and I'm just the dad. I'm the dude that stands over here. There's my family doing things. I'm just kind of here... On the side. And and we don't really understand what we're for. That God actually wants us to be engaged. He wants us to participate. We're not just there to be on display, but God has a job for us to do. And as I said, as Paul uh, unwraps this, he he communicates this is not only the job the dads are to do, but it's the job that the church should do. He says, This is what ministry looks like. When he's talking about his ministry with the Thessalonians, he says, Not only is this the way the dads love their families, but this is the ministry that the church is supposed to do. So this is applicable to all of us. So if you're not a dad, I don't want you to shut off your brain here and say, well, this doesn't apply to me. Because Paul is applying this to the whole church. He's saying this is what ministry looks like. Ministry, literally service. He's saying this is what it looks like to serve in the church. This is this is what it looks like. And so the first thing that we're going to pull out here is that we should be set apart. If we're going to minister to others as a dad ministers to his family, we should be Set apart. It's a set apart ministry. I'm gonna read verse ten here. He says, Your witnesses and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. He's not talking about a holier than thou kind of attitude. He's not talking about being condescending. He's saying they were legitimately different. They weren't trying to swindle them like other ministry leaders, but they were legitimately righteous. They were legitimately good people. People observed their conduct and said, they're different. They are set apart. Literally in Scripture, the word holy means set apart. It just means special. It doesn't mean magical. It means different. It means other. Like God is holy, we should also be holy. We should be different. We should stand out. Not standing out and just trying to be weird for the sake of being weird, but standing out in the sense of of being different, being set apart, being holy, leading people to be in awe of God because we do things differently in a good way, in a righteous way. I think sometimes this is built in just to the way men are in comparison to their wives. Um, men are different, right? I mean, you can kind of just observe some basic biological differences between men and women. Um, generally, men are a little more scary to their children than the moms are. Not all the time, but you know, generally, we're talking about kind of the generalities here of how it works. Statistically speaking, men are usually bigger. They're usually stronger. Their face is usually scratchier. Um, they usually smell worse than moms do. Uh, you know, there's this, this difference. Men are usually a little more imposing. Moms can get this, you know, frustrated when they tell their kid to do something and the kid doesn't listen because there's just this intimacy, this chumminess that a kid can get with mom. But, you know, dad says it and they, they'll listen sometimes, not all the time. But, you know, there's, there can be this difference. Dad can be set apart in the way that he relates to his kids. And Paul is saying in the same way we should minister to others. We should, we should be set apart. We should be different. Um, that the physical differences aren't always obvious, right? I mean, sometimes mom's bigger than dad. Sometimes uh, maybe dad smells better than mom, I hope not. But sometimes, you know, these things happen and, and they're not as, you know, the distinction's not there, but typically they are different. I found one of a real a stark contrast here. is the world's tallest man. Um, this is some veterinarian in Ukraine and he is the world's tallest man. I think he's like eight and a, eight and a half feet tall or something like that. Um, so, so guys, it doesn't necessarily mean Physically different. You know, what Paul is talking about here really is being spiritually different. So this is an extreme case. You know, there may be extreme cases where dad is really scary, dad is really big. Um, and, And I think that's just really an illustration of this idea that we should be set apart morally. We should be different and distinct in the way that we live. There should be a righteousness about us. As dads in the home, and especially just as believers, as God's people, we should be different. We should be set apart. Again, not being... Condescending, not looking down on people, but we should actually follow God's rules for life. We should actually live righteously. He says here, holy, righteous, and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. Men, I want to challenge you. Are you. Are you living according to God's word? Are you investing in God's word yourself so that you would be holy as God is holy, that you would actually be set apart? Are you actually different than the world, or do you look just like everybody else? As Christians, especially at our church, we emphasize being hospitable, being welcoming people, speaking the language of our culture, engaging our culture where our culture is, loving people as they are. And those are all important principles of the Christian faith. But we can't forget the other principle of the Christian faith, which is that God actually wants us to live righteous lives. God actually wants us to be holy, to be set apart, to be different. Not to cut corners, maybe the way other people do at work. Not to gossip the way maybe other friends gossip. Not to break the rules the way everybody else may break the rules in our culture, but to actually live life differently, to be set apart. So first of all, do you know God's Word? Are you reading it to yourself? And dads, are you then reading it to your kids? Are you bringing it into your home? Are you bringing God's standards into your home so that your home would be set apart? And just Christians, all of us, are you living differently? When people look at your life, do they say there's, there's something different about that person? Not that person's a jerk and they're weird, but that person's set apart. There's a righteousness to that person. That person actually does things right. That person actually keeps their word. That person's a better employee than anyone else. And, and people will start to make those connections and connect that with the holy God that we serve. The, the next thing that Paul says is that a, a dad should have an encouraging ministry. Just like a dad encourages his kids, we as Christians should minister to people in a way that that builds them up, that encourages them. It, It says in verse 11, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you, and encouraged and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom in glory. Paul uses these words that are kind of overlapping words in the Greek, and the ESV translation is the one I just read. It says, exhort, encourage, and charge. And then in the NIV... It translates the word that they said exhort in the ESV, it translates that one as encourage. So it says encourage, comfort, and urge in the NIV. So these are overlapping words where, where one translation used one word is encourage, the other translated another word is encourage. So they have this overlapping meaning of charge and encourage, empower, comfort, help, build up. These are the concepts that we have here. That as dads we are to be empowering to our kids. The word encourage, you know, in English just literally means to fill someone with courage, right? To give them energy. We should be that kind of person that, that encourages someone, that lifts them up, that says, you can do it. I believe in you. We, we energize people. We empower them. Are you living that kind of life? Dads, are you that kind of dad to your kids? Do you empower them or do you keep telling them, no, you're not going to do it, you're not going to make it? Are you the kind that encourages them, that empowers them and equips them? And just Christians in general. Are we those kinds of people? The people associate us in the name of Christ with being an empowering person, an energizing person, someone that encourages and lifts others up. That's an important question to to ask of ourselves. There's an interesting statistic I found in this uh, magazine called Scientific American Mind. It was talking about the distinctions between gender and just kind of what they've observed. Psychiatrists and brain researchers have just observed different things through, through tests and surveys. And one thing that they found is that an infant picked up by his mother will generally calm down. I mean, his heart rate actually is reduced. And an infant picked up by his father, generally his heart rate goes up. And, and statistically, they found that fathers are stimulating to their children, whereas mothers tend to be nurturing. And Of course, that, that kind of makes sense. You know, I said these are, these are statistics, so they're not true 100% of the time, but this is generally how we work as, as different people. I found a picture here. This is what I like to do with my kids in the pool. I like to throw my kids. That's, that's, just, that's just the kind of game I like to play. And I'm pretty chill. You know I mean? In my personality, I'm a pretty laid back guy. I'm not a hyper man by any means, but I still love to wrestle and throw my kids around. You know what I mean? That's just something I like to bring into their life. It's getting a little harder as they get bigger. I think I can still throw my smallest one now, but the other ones are too big. But that's the role that dad should play. We should bring energy. We should lift that heartbreak. We should energize people. We should encourage them and say, you can do it. You, you can make it happen. There's a great book by John Eldridge called You've Got What It Takes. Um, and I, I personally think John Eldridge can be a little loony on some things sometimes. He's, the, he's a guy that's real wild at heart. And he's got some great insights. Some some things he's a little weird on. But this book in particular I really enjoyed. I, I felt like it was really insightful, had some good things to learn. And he talked about that role that dads should play, of, of telling their kids you can do it empowering their sons to believe that they have what it takes to accomplish what God calls them to do. He says specifically uh, with daughters, that can look like helping your daughters to understand that they are admirable, that they are lovely. But for both kids, helping them to understand that they've got what it takes, but understanding even those gender differences with, with boys and with girls. And there's something delightful about them, that there's something um, good about them, that you can empower them, that you can equip them. We understand, according to our theology, that, that we are admirable, that we are powerful, that we are able, that we are equipped by God. We can be encouraged because of what God did for us. That on our own, we didn't have what it takes. On our own, we didn't have enough strength. We, we couldn't do it by ourselves. But because of what Jesus Christ did for us, he, he took our place. By faith, we can trust that, that God sees us as lovely, as admirable as Jesus himself as capable, as powerful as Jesus himself. He sees us as his own child. And so by faith, we know that God delights in us and God speaks to us that you can do it. As a good father, speaks to his kids and says, you can do it. I believe in you. I love you. You're, You're beautiful. You are strong. You can do it. And that's the message that God speaks to us through the gospel. By faith in Jesus, we're equipped. We're powerful enough to accomplish what he calls us to accomplish. Well, the other side of this coin, not only does, does God tell us you can do it, and not only do we tell people you can do it, but there's also this, this role that dads play, and we as Christians should play, where we say, you will do it. I'm going to grab you by the arm, and we will do it together. I'm going to take you with me. And that's the other side of it. Not only do we encourage and empower and, and comfort and say, you can do it, but we say, you will do it. Let's go. Let's do it. And he starts to ease into this at the end of that last verse where he says, charged you or urged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. God has called you into this work that he's about. God says, you're going to be about the same work that I'm about. I'm, I'm in the business of redeeming the world. I'm in the business of bringing blessing into this world, of saving those that are lost, that have wandered and restoring the world to the, to the glory that it should have. And God brings us along with him. He grabs us by the arm, and he makes us his apprentice, and he says, you're going to walk beside me, and we're going to go into dark places, and we're going to restore this broken world. And Paul talks about it in verse 13, where he says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. He says, "This is at work in you. It's, you received it now, not as just something we made up, but as the Word of God, and it's now at work in you, believers. It's taking root in your life, and you're starting to do the work that we were doing, just as we're doing the work that God was doing, and, and it continues. He calls us into this work. He brings us along with him. And I'm calling this—my uh, keeps getting out. You hear me? Okay. I'm calling this a missional ministry." This is kind of this new, trendy word in Christian circles the last 10 years. But basically it means that that we are sent just as Jesus is sent. You know, from the Latin root, missile being, being shot out, missio. This idea that we're being shot out, we're being sent somewhere. We have a purpose. We have something to do. Just like we have missionaries that we send with the purpose of bringing the gospel to people that don't already have the gospel. God says really every Christian has that same goal. That you are being sent. You are missionaries. That our church should live missionally and see ourselves as sent by God. Just like it talks here about they brought the word of God. And it was God's word. It wasn't their word. They brought that word to others. That's that's the goal. That's the role of a missionary. That we would bring God's word to our neighbors. That even if you're not sent to Timbuktu, God is sending you across the street. Even if you're not sent to uh, to Africa, God is calling you to be sent to the cubicle, to the family to the neighborhood, to the workplace that God has placed you in. So you should see yourself as, as missional, as, as leading this life that God has sent you to, to bring others along with you. And be about the business that God is in. I found a picture here. There's this actor named, there we go, Leave Schreiber. Um, I like that picture because he looks exactly like my brother-in-law. It's like his twin. Um, but you notice how he's carrying the baby. Notice, notice the way he's carrying the baby. Have you ever noticed the difference? Again, this is general, stereotypical, but this is generally, they've done studies on this. This is generally the difference between how men carry a child and how women carry a child. How does a woman usually carry a child? Like this. You know, the comfort. There, there, face in. And men usually carry the child face out. Like, let's go. Let's go do something, right? Let, let's go together. And that's this, this fatherly role. Again, dad specifically are called to engage their child in the world, to be missional, to give them a mission and bring them alongside with them. And as I said, this really applies to all Christians. That's our job as Christians, that we would bring others with us, that we would, that we would be engaged in our Father's business and we would bring others alongside with us, apprentices, that we say, let's go, let's, let's make a difference, let's have an impact on our world and bring others alongside. Train others to reach this world, to love this world through through deeds, that reflect the gospel, doing good things, helping people that really need help, and through words that share the gospel, explaining this incredible story, the story that is better than any other story of this Jesus that gave himself for us, the one story that is more true than any other story we know and more beautiful than any other story that we tell. We are to engage the world with this story, with this gospel, this good news of who Jesus is, that he's bringing us Alongside his work of redeeming the world. Psalm 127 has the same perspective. I usually read Psalm 127 when we dedicate a child. And one of the things that we always read is children are gifts gift from the Lord. And there's this other line that says they're like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Again, it's that, that idea that children are, are missiles to be shot out in the world. Our goal is not to just protect them but to, to bring them into risk, to help them to take risks and impact the world around them. Another statistical thing they've noticed in a study is that men tend to engage their children in risk-taking more than moms do. They actually did a study where they, they had this ramp, and they had crawling infants, and they had the moms and the dads adjust the ramp to the height that they thought the infant could handle, crawling up and crawling down. This ramp. I'm sure it was all very safe. No infants were harmed in this study or this test, for those of you that are concerned. What they found was that actually both genders overestimated their kids' ability. So both did actually encourage some risk taking. But then what they found is they gave them a second shot, and the men, 41%, raised the ramp even higher the second time. Whereas only 14% of the women raised the ramp. Higher, So they're like, okay, he messed up, but he can do it even you know, more, and he can, he can try something bigger. And they, they just found through these studies and other studies as well that men tend to engage uh, their kids into more risk-taking than others. Well, that's our goal as fathers, to carry that out, that, that kind of natural thing that's put in us for God's glory, though, not just for the sake of you know, just impressing people, but achieving good things, helping people, making a difference in the world. And that's all of our goal as God's people. That we would do ministry, like Paul says, just like this, like mothers and like fathers. That we would bring these different ways of loving people into the world as we exercise our role as God's church. Well, I wanted to conclude with this picture that we see in Matthew and in Luke. It's a repeated line in in the different Gospels. It's in the section where uh, Jesus is talking about prayer. And he's talking about seeking God and ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. This is a section on prayer where where he's talking about the way that we should we should relate to our heavenly Father, and he explains that that even even human dads know how to give good gifts to their kids. And he says, "Don't get me wrong. You're evil. Human dads are messed up. You got problems, but even human dads, for the most part, know how to be kind, know how to be gracious." He says, "How much more are your heavenly Father? If even you evil dads." can occasionally do a good thing for your kids, how much more can your Heavenly Father, who loves you, in Luke eleven thirteen? 13, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Him? That's the ultimate good gift, who the last few weeks we've been reminding you is the one that tells us to cry out on the Father. The Holy Spirit's job is to remind us that we belong to our Heavenly Father, that He is our perfect Daddy that gives good gifts to us, to trust Him by faith and to step out taking risks and engaging the world around us in obedience to Him, in faith and security in Him. In John 14, Jesus reminds us, I will not leave you as orphans, but I'm sending the Counselor, the Encourager, same word that we saw in Thessalonians. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit that will encourage you, will energize you, will equip you to do the work that I call you to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for empowering us to do your work, for sending your Spirit to strengthen us when we feel so weak. And I pray that you would continue to empower us as a local body, that you would continue to empower your church uh, worldwide, to not just talk about how good you are, but to display it, that we would live out your grace, that we would share it with the world because you have been good to us, that we would be good to others. I pray
0: in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, well, stand with us so we can sing this last song together. Solid ground Firm through the fiercest cloud we we'll
2: you, Father, that you empower us and equip us to stand in you by the work of your Son. Pray that you would use us this week as your people. In Jesus'
3: name, amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Happy Father's Day.